We're going to talk about church shape. We're going to talk about who we are as people. But I want you to engage on uh, your intellect, your heart, your emotions, but also hear some things in the spirit about you, us, and us together. So I want to speak some things in, but also we all want to receive together. This week, I'm going to talk about the real things that bind us together. You've all sang the song, bind us together, Lord, bind us together with ties that cannot be broken. Do you remember singing that back in the day, some of you? Well, what are those ties? What are the ties that won't be broken? We want to analyze some of that a bit today. But next week, we're going to talk about why did God bring fire at Pentecost? It was a particular thing for the church. And after that, we're going to talk about how we can be together. If you're a guest here today, I wonder if you'd listen along and begin to think, ah, I thought church was like that, but they think it's like this. If you're checking out Jesus, checking out church, wondering what this is all about, then please listen along because God's going to put some things in your heart just for you. So I know you're all standing, but as you take your seats, when you take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read some really important verses. And I hope you're in receiving mode today. I hope you're able to begin to hear some things. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read some really important verses from verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. The ingredients of belonging to a church. The ties that bind. Ephesians 2, 19 begins to read like this. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers... I hope you don't feel like a foreigner and a stranger today. I hope you feel welcome. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. You know, the postman visits your household every single day or every week, but he isn't a member of your household. You can visit a place and not be a member. You do realize that, don't you? And yet God's saying here, God's people are also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That wherever you are all over this city, that you will be a dwelling place where God lives by his spirit. What a glorious picture of the church these verses portray. That we are built together. 
with holy foundations. You know, it's not just that we have a few meetings and do a few structures, but what God is saying is, I'm raising you up to be a demonstration of my presence in the world, filled with the very person and presence of God. Church is not a small thing. Lots of people try and make it a small thing, but we are a community filled with the very presence of God. You see, belonging is a lot deeper than just opposed to being welcome. Have you ever heard this phrase, uh, and you might have even said it, I need to wait to get my feet under the table before I say anything. And, you know, people do that. Usually what they mean is, I haven't been here long enough and built strong enough to relationships or built up my credibility before I could say something of depth and importance. They're trying to wait and bide their time. And actually, that's probably appropriate. In fact, the Bible even teaches that, you know, people can't just come in and teach straight away. That's, that's appropriate. And in church, over the last few years, what we've developed is that there is a phrase, belonging before believing. In other words, that people can be involved and they can uh, feel welcome before they've fully believed everything that we uh, believe here in the church. And I really hope that you feel welcome today. And it's made the church a little bit bigger hearted and and less with uh, hard edges to them. And there needs to be lots of welcome. And of course there there is. But as much as we believe that we want people to be welcome, we have to admit there are levels of belonging in all things, but also in church where people feel comfortable that they've now got some ownership, that they feel that they can make suggestions, but also that they feel a part of things. There are levels of belonging, aren't there? You know, do you remember Peter? He felt like he really belonged in the discipleship, uh, didn't he? Because he puts his arm around Jesus' shares and says, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die for everybody. And Peter puts his arm around Jesus and says, oh no, my Lord, that's not what you should be doing at all. And Jesus then kind of slips his arm around him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, you can belong, but you can still have the wrong wrong idea. Peter felt like he belonged, but he was saying the wrong thing to Jesus. But nevertheless, he felt comfortable enough to be able to share. And I pray that everybody has a sense of belonging. And it doesn't mean that we don't want to listen to everybody until they've built up a really long track road and relationship, but we've all got opinions of what a healthy church is and what the ingredients are to a healthy church. But I want to ask you today, what makes your belonging to a church, to this church, real? What is it that makes it real, where it takes you deeper. You see, we all would have powerful belonging uh, ingredients uh, and a sense of connection to each other. Some of us would be saying, well, I connect in because they are my friends. And friends is a powerful belonging ingredient. And that's normal. And it's important that you can say, yeah, I want to find some friends. And I pray that you do find some friends. But friendship and shared interest is not the deeper belonging of a church. Uh, Sometimes we've made friendship and shared interest an idol. 
You can only belong to a church if you find some friends. And actually, it's really important to find some friends. But as well as those natural things, friendships are only matured and deepened, and belonging is only deepened when you key into some deeper binding elements and ingredients that help you to stay. And that actually that your friendships should revolve around deeper things in church than just shared interests, shared kind of connections. You've got to go deeper than those to really belong into what God is doing. Sometimes we absolutely forget what the important thing is. There was a guy one time who was a, quite a dynamic speaker, and he was being a, a speaker at a graduation of a Bible college where lots of young ministers were about to go and take their first church. And he strode onto the platform, and he, and he said this, the best years of my life were in the arms of another woman other than my wife. And just like you're shocked now, all the other ministers said, <gasps> And he said, I'd like to introduce you to my mother. And then we went on talking about the foundations and having right foundations. See, I got you fooled there, didn't I? So you were a bit shocked, weren't you? Anyway, there's a young minister in the crowd, and he thought, that's a really good intro. When I go to my church, I'm going to use that. So he steps up and he goes to his first, his first time in the congregation. Young minister, he says, I'm going to use that because I can launch into my message that way. And he steps up and he says, the best years of my life were in the arms of another woman other than my wife. And quite rightly, the congregation was shocked. And then he couldn't quite remember <laughs> the end of it. And so he said, and I can't remember who the other woman is. <laughs> I want to put it to you today that some of us might have forgotten what's really important about belonging to a church. First thing, the first ingredient that helps us to belong to a church, I'm going to ask you to join in with me with something in a moment, if that's okay. But the first thing is right beliefs. That actually we believe some things. And, and actually we want to say that if you're here and you're guesting with us, that we actually believe some things and it might not be exactly all what the BBC believes and what the media believes. That doesn't make us bigots, narrow-minded or anything. You know what? I was on a plane the other day and I'm so pleased that the pilot was narrow-minded. I wanted him to land on that runway there, not to say, oh, I think I just might believe that I just want to uh, land it over there, and maybe it's right to land it over there. I was so glad that he wanted to believe just to put it on the runway. I actually want to say to you, though, but when he landed it, he hit the runway so hard. I said, hang on a minute, don't believe that strongly, will you? Sometimes we're seen as people that we have a set of beliefs that it makes us as if we're unintellectual or unintelligible, but actually having a set of beliefs keeps you safe. And I'm going to invite you over the summer to come and investigate the beliefs of this church. Let me read this to you. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, it says this. Read this carefully with me. Ephesians 4, 13, it says, until we all reach unity. And then it says this phrase, in the faith. Not in faith, but in the faith. And what the original writer, Paul, was saying is there was a set of beliefs that we want you to gather around, that there's unity in the faith. And then it says, until, and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Right beliefs will keep you safe, but it will also deepen your belonging. You can be friends with people, but if you find out that they're believing the things that you don't believe, eventually that friendship won't be matured. Would you kindly, and would you mind all standing with me? Because I want us to do a belief moment uh, together. Would you mind standing with me? Now, in a few moments, I'm going to get you to confess things. It's the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed was written uh, to show us uh, what we could all gather around as beliefs. And you're going to say the phrase, I believe in the Catholic Church. Now, it doesn't mean the Roman Catholic Church. The word Catholic means universal. Aren't you glad that there's a church everywhere in the world? Oh, hello. Aren't you glad that there's a church everywhere in the world? I believe that the church should be everywhere in the world, in the ghetto, in the palace. I believe that's where church should be. Are you ready? Would you confess this with me? And I want to actually hear, want you to hear what's happening in your spirit when you confess unity about beliefs. I want you to listen to your own spirit. Not just how you feel, but how it lands in your spirit. Should we do this together? Let's, 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 let's confess this together, shall we? I believe in God the Father, almighty, creator of the heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified. He died and was buried, and he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven. Just pause. Let's give the Lord a clap offering because that's the most important thing. Isn't that amazing? He died and rose again for us. Isn't that an amazing thing? Next one. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, hallelujah, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting, amen. Yeah? Isn't it good to believe some good things? Don't you agree? Yes. Check your spirit right now. Doesn't it feel stronger saying the right things, believing good things? See, one of the things that binds us together is right belief. Believing the right things. Please take your seat. Thank you so much. You know... 
I'm going to be inviting you to investigate the beliefs that we have as Pentecostals and that it won't be different than that, but that we'll, we'll deepen some things about the Holy Spirit. But the second thing that binds us together is not only the right beliefs, it's more than friendship, but also we have to have a shared mission. Paul, writing to the Philippians, said, but you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he served alongside me in the work of the gospel. He was somebody who was serving alongside. Jesus took his 72 out, and in Luke chapter 10, it says this, after the Lord appointed 72 others, he sent them out ahead of him to every town and every place to go where he was about to go, and he told them, the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are few. Come say that with me. Harvest plentiful. Oh, there's so much to do, isn't there? Workers few. You know, you can have all the right beliefs, and that's great, and it's a really important thing that you do. But you've got to take those beliefs on mission, you've got to test them out on the field. Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs amongst wolves. Hey, I know that some of you want to be a lion, but God calls you a little lamb. You're his sheep. You're his beauty. You're what he's developing. But he says, I want you to be on mission you know, two weeks ago, we had Boyd with us, didn't we? You know, remember that? You know, end of the sermon, God did it, God did it, you know, and all that. You know, it was great, wasn't it? I took Boyd out as being my, you know, wanting to uh, be a good host. And I took him down to St. Paul's Cathedral. It's magnificent, isn't it, St. Paul's Cathedral? You can't, you know, you stand in front of it. You can't see the top of it. You have to walk around the side to see the dome. It's big. And Sir Christopher Wren, his whole thing was to declare to London and to the nation, God's big. And that was his whole thing about it. But then the story is told that when it, the cathedral was starting to be built, that Sir Christopher Wren went down and he walked amongst the stonemasons who were doing it. And he talked to one stonemason and he said, what are you doing? And he says, I'm dressing stones. I'm into the details. I'm doing this. He went to the next... Uh, stonemason says, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm earning five shillings a week. I'm earning, this is how I get my money. It's very interesting, isn't it, that in our lives, that sometimes our only focus is how I earn my money. And our whole purpose comes about how I earn my money. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that there is more to life than how you earn your money. And that God is wanting to fill your life with rich purpose and heal you of things that are spoiling you. But then he went to the third person and he said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm building a cathedral. I wonder if you're focused in on the details or you're focused in on how things work or whether you're on a mission 
to establish the kingdom of God all over this city and in the world. Because as we share mission, that's what binds us together. You see, you can attend, but you need to also be on mission. Our mission is that all people are rooted into Christ, growing up in Christ, and fruitful for Christ as we reach London and the world for Christ. I wonder if you could say, yeah, I want to be in that mission. Our mission is to invite as many people to Jesus as possible. Our mission is to help transform this society uh, through kingdom actions, compassion and power that you as the temple of God out there, as his kingdom ambassadors, change things for the world. Our mission is to develop you into disciples and your ministry to be released and have the ministry you're meant to have. You can only do that unless you're rooted, growing, and fruitful in him. Our mission is to develop you as a good steward so that money isn't something that holds you that you can use it wisely and well. And our mission is to care for the hurting. I know some people who are hurting today, and our mission is to care for them. Our mission is to worship. Actually, we don't just sing. We give worship, and that calibrates our heart and changes our heart so that we become who we're supposed to be throughout eternity. Worship is the center and the circumference of everything that we do. That's church. And so I want to say to you today, do you have right beliefs, and are you sharing in the mission? Is your whole church expression, oh, you know, I just come and I do a little bit and then I go. Actually, God's calling you to his mission. And we can do that together and we can help shape that. Third thing, the ties that really bind us, that go beyond lots of things, it goes beyond structures actually, is uh, having the right Christian values. Everybody turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. It'll be on the screen. But look at, what the, look at what Peter says here. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Let me just say to you that the simplest faith is going to get you to heaven. Just, just you saying, Lord Jesus, I am sorry, come into my life. You're in. You're into heaven. Just that, that, that smallest seed... But here the Bible's saying, I want you to add to that. I want you to build on that. You won't earn heaven anymore, but God's trying to change you and to make you and to mold you. He wants you to add to that faith. Remember, I've shared with you lots about, you know, the thing that Alistair Begg preaches about, you know, the thief on the cross. He didn't get a chance to add anything to his faith and he made it to heaven. But you're not that thief on the cross. You've got time. You've got investment. You've got things that you can do. And here the scripture is saying, add to your faith goodness 
and to goodness add knowledge, and to knowledge of self-control, and self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly love or mutual affection, and to mutual affection add love. You see, God is calling us to add value and values to who we are. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder today whether you have come with that simple uh, mustard seed faith, that small faith, and you've never grown it. You see, there's a way to do things as well as doing things. There's a how to do things, and then there's an attitude in which things are done. Do you remember that David had a real burning heart in the Old Testament to establish a temple, and he wanted to bring the ark back into, uh, into Jerusalem? And he started to bring it, and they brought it back in the wrong way. And it caused a delay, and the ark was then put in somebody's house for several months until they learned the right way to bring it back. And when they brought it back the right way, they laid a foundation, and the temple eventually became established. There is a way to do things, not just what to do. Values are what you do without thinking about it. They help you behave without thinking because you just believe them. You just think, well, that's the way it should be done. And your values come out the way that you treat others, the way that you go about things. Some people are brought into the value that money talks. I know that for a lot of us, money talks. It says goodbye. I know that. But some people, they flash the cash around because that's their value. Money talks. But here we've got a different value. We value Pentecost and the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be a church that just is bound by uh, any one structure. We're going to listen to what the Spirit says. Can I hear an amen, anybody? We value being able to speak to the big ideas of society and, and be able to be kingdom ambassadors and fruitful in our place of work. We value that God has sent us out on mission every day and that our workplaces are our places where we can express who God is. We value discipleship and so we'll always have classes. We'll always have groups. We value every age group. Have you seen those churches that always want to position their church as young and trendy? Well, hey, we're not doing that here. We believe that it's right for every single age group to come to Jesus Christ. So if you're 90, we love you. We value things here. You know, there was a, a Sunday school teacher one time said to a, uh, the Sunday school class, can anybody memorize Psalm 23 for me? Uh, can, you, can you memorize that? Or at least can you explain it? And the young girl at the back puts her hand up and she says, sure, absolutely, I can. And she was a little bit dubious and said, you know what, uh, uh, come on out then. And she just stood at the front and says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. Amen. <laughs> You know, some, you don't need to know everything if you live values. And there's a right way of doing things. 
We value our cosmopolitan makeup here. Look around you for a moment. We value the fact that there's every tribe and nation and tongue in this building. Maybe not everyone in the world. But we value that. And if you want to be in KT and you just want to hang around with your particular group, you're missing out on one of our values. We believe that every nation and every ethnicity is absolutely valuable in God. Amen? We love Irish people. My name's Irish. We love Sierra Leone people. I can't even say their name. We love the Filipinos. We do. We value English people here. We even love Scottish people here. We love the French. We value every single person. And that's a value. And we're not backing off from that. We're not trying to build a young, trendy, one-size-looking church. We're not. You've gone really quiet. Well, what type of church do you want? Everybody that looks like you. No. Everybody that looks like us. Amen, church. We value our city. And we need to be a good witness both locally and and across our city. We value our locality. Do Do you know what I'm saying? You know, when we leave this building... You know, the curtains are twitching and the neighbors, they're watching how the Christians, are they fighting over the car park? Oh, I knew they were hypocrites. You know, are they doing this and that? You know, we've got to value our locality. You see, real friendship is only fully deepened when we move beyond personality and shared interests and who we like, but we move more towards beliefs, mission, and values. And that is my message to you today that the real ties that bind us, uh, they should be strong, that we are strong in our beliefs, and we're going to bring out some of our beliefs about marriage and sexuality over the summer. And let me tell you, it's different than what you'll hear on the BBC. But if our values and mission and our beliefs are not strong, then our friendships will not be as mature as they could be because they're based on the wrong things. It's important that we don't base our belonging in a church just on friendships or shared interests or people who agree with me. Remember, Peter was on the inner core and he got it wrong. It's important that we feel that we don't just base our uh, belonging to the church on how many friends we have because what happened if God calls your friends away? or they become on mission somewhere, then your belonging tends to go. But if you share beliefs, mission, and values, then other relationships can be built. Sure, there's lots of other ways to uh, belong to a church. Of course, you need to participate and join in. Sharing your ministry and your gifts is really important. We need to get the best out of you. If you come and just hold your gifts to yourself, then we are not getting all that Christ has ordained for us to get from you. We need to be able to understand that 
sharing uh, your gifts is important, but can I ask you, you can belong to your church when we begin to pray for your church. How often do you pray for our church? Now, some of you will pray every day, but you need to pray for Kensington Temple. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't need to pray for my church. You need to pray for your church. Amen? And you will feel a greater belonging to this church when you pray for it. You need to begin to pray for me, that my heart's on fire, that my heart is protected, that I'm protected. We, we belong to church when we contribute financially. Peter said uh, to uh, Arura, he said, no, I insist on paying for this offering because I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God a burnt offering that costs me nothing. As you contribute financially, you'll feel like your belonging goes up. You need to be supportive of the leadership. That's another way of belonging. I've thrown out lots of ideas, but it's belief, shared mission, and values is where the foundation is. See, there's a way of going about church. If you're here today and you're checking out a church, uh, you know, I... I've often thought, how do people choose a church? First of all, I would choose a church that you can bring your friends to. If you can't bring your friends here, this isn't the right church for you, even if you love it. If you kind of come to church and you start cringing and going, oh no, I don't know what they're thinking, you need to go to a church where you think, I am confident to bring my friends. Amen? You need to go to a church where you're fed, where you think, you know what? That actually has given me something to think about. That's something that's grown my heart and expanded my mind. You need to go to a church where you can grow in ministry and not just come, but you discover your ministry and begin to grow in what God has gifted you to do. You need to go to a church where you respect the leaders. If you don't respect the leaders, this is not the right church for you. If you don't respect the pastor, this is not the right church for you. Not that I'm the arbiter of everything, but you need to begin to be able to love the authority that's given. It's really important. So today, and in conclusion, I want to ask yourself, where do you place yourself? Have a look at this diagram. You see, we love our community. We want, how many millions are there in London? Nine million, I don't know. We want nine million people to come to our church. We want to win everybody. We absolutely do. We won't fit them in the building, but we want to influence this city for God. And so you might be part of the community. You might be watching online and thinking, well, I'm not really part of that community. You're part of our community if you receive our teaching, share our values, and share our mission. And you might be part of the crowd you might be able to say, hey, I go to that church now and again, and I just think it's great, but that's you. That's where you're at. You might be part of the congregation, the congregation of people who say to themselves, you know what, I give to that church. I'm a part of that church. I go regularly to that church. I even want to take out membership in that church. And you might be then part of another uh, group that they're committed. They're the ones that say, you know what, I've started serving. I've started doing some things there. I, I really believe that that's, this has uh, got my future journey. And then you might become what's called core, that you're actually carrying the weight of the ministry and begin to say, you know what, there are some people who depend on me around here. I wonder where you would place yourself in there. But actually what we're trying to get everybody to is to be commissioned so that you're actually a part of things. And then you go out and do things as well as being here as well.
You know, in all churches, I would say I'm in lots of those circles. Please stand with me if you will. Because I want to give you a little formula. Thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to do some teaching messages about church. You know, this morning, I had the privilege of bringing my grandchildren to the uh, first service. I was carrying my little four-year-old in, you know, he was, he was a little bit nervous coming to a new place. And you know what, if you're new here, thank you for coming. It's been difficult for you in some ways, but thank you. I was carrying my little grandson in and said, hey, here's my church. And he goes this, he says, no, granddad, it's not your church, it's for everybody. <laughs> and I thought, you know, he's right. He's right, isn't he? If you want to belong here, let me give you a little formula. First of all, attend on Sunday. Come. Come as often as you can. Log in when you can't come, but come as often as you can. Can you hear an amen? amen. Sunday is important. Hello? Sunday is important. Can you get everybody Amen. Now, I know lots of new theories about it, all the stuff, but Sunday is important. Come on Sunday. Agreed? Yes. Secondly, join a group. Join a group. Join a discipleship group or join a course, join a class. Join a group. Instead of sitting in rows, you can sit in circles where you can share and be known. Join a group. Be a part of that. Now, some of you who can't, you know, you, you spread out, you say, oh, it's impossible for me to join a group. We've got lots of online groups. We've got ways to do that. We're going to develop that over the next few months, even closer and stronger. But did you used to go to a group and you've stopped going to a group? Come and let us know. We want to put you in a new group. Join a group. Can I hear an amen? amen. And we can, oh, that wasn't quite as strong as Sunday, was it? Okay. Come on Sunday. Amen. Join a group. Amen. Come on. Because that's how you belong. Yes. Thirdly, find your ministry. It might be a journey. It might take a while. But God has placed ministry in you. Find your ministry. Let me hear an amen. amen. Come on Sunday. Amen. Join a group. Find a ministry. Yes. That is how you start the journey of belonging. And you want me to be really practical about it, there are lots of people who say, oh, I don't belong to that church, and they never come. Oh, when they come on Sunday, they're distracted. Come and receive and be a part of things. And God will fill your heart. I wonder which belonging ingredient you need to emphasize. I wonder if you need to think about, well, I'm not sure what I believe. Watch out, we're going to bring some belief courses. I wonder if you don't know what to do on mission. Come and hear some opportunities. I wonder if you need to discover really what your values are. There's a way of being in church. 
There's a way of speaking to people. There's a way of honoring those who are older. There's a way of protecting those who are younger. We need to live our values as Christians. We're not just an organization. We're a family. There's a way of being family. Can I ask you, shall we be spiritual family, holy temple where the Lord dwells, or shall we just be a series of meetings? I wonder if you would do something with me. I know, again, for those of you a little bit reserved, this is harder for you. But I wonder if you turn to two or three people and tell them that how much you want them to belong here. Why don't you do that right now? Just say, I really want you to belong in this place. Oh, yes, Lord. This is a holy temple, Lord. This is a temple where you belong, Lord. This is a place for your spirit, Lord. I want to declare to you today, there's a place for you here. I want to declare to you today, there's a ministry for you here. I know it means a lot of work for us, but there is a place for you here. We are a family in the city here. You see, you might say to yourself, well, I'm a core person at KT. I'm core. But what ingredient do you really need to emphasize? Do you need to emphasize again that you need to tap into your beliefs? Have you stopped being on mission? Are you core because you've just been coming a long time? That doesn't make you core. What makes you core is the way in which you're coming for a long time. Oh, you know what I'd love you to do? I know this will be really hard for some of you. And if you're a guest, just absent yourself from this. Why don't you just hug somebody right now? Just tell them, just give them a warm embrace. Come on, just say that to you. And I really just want to apologize if you're a kind of person that in your life that that would be a hard thing. And, but you know, there'll be some people who say, nobody hugged me. <laughs> Come on up, I'll give you a hug. You know, but there's some people, they've got porcupine spikes all over them and they say, nobody hugged me. There's a way of being in church that's really important, and you can belong. It will take work, it will take time, but it will go deeper than friendships, deeper than your affinity group, deeper than the people you hang around with. It's going to take you digging into your beliefs, digging into getting on mission for God, and you'll have mission in here and way out there, and digging into your values. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Come on.
Over the next few weeks, I'm going to ask the Lord, and I'm going to ask the Lord to do it. I want the Lord to inspire you that being part of church is more important than you think. Because the church, with Jesus, is the hope of the world. I still believe it, and it is true.